Welcome to InsureTalk, the podcast where we don't just talk about innovative ideas in PNC insurance. We talk with industry trailblazers about the big ideas they made happen and how they did it. This podcast is brought to you by Guidewire, the platform PNC insurers trust to engage, innovate, and grow efficiently. Visit guidewire.com for more information. And now, let's make it happen. Welcome to InsureTalk. My name is Laura Drabeck, and I'm the Chief Evangelist at Guidewire. In this episode, I have the privilege of interviewing Brent Hammer, Innovation Officer at Grange Insurance. Brent is a self-proclaimed insurance nerd. He drives innovation efforts in support of Grange's enterprise strategy and decisions on innovative solutions to position the carriers successfully for the future. The focus of today's discussion will be on how Brent and Grange are accelerating insurance innovation to revolutionize the industry. Hello, Brent. Thank you for joining my podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Tell our listeners about Grange Insurance and your role there. Sure. So Grange is based in Columbus, Ohio. Our mission is really to provide peace of mind and protection to our customers. And we've been doing that for more than 85 years. We're a property and casualty carrier. We've got a top line of about $1.4 billion annually in written premium. And we provide our products exclusively through our independent agency partners in 13 states across the Midwest and the Southeast. We're really a learning organization our core. And we wanted to develop a repeatable and successful innovation strategy to tap into, one, our associates' creativity as entrepreneurs, but also leverage the growing insurtech ecosystem and those entrepreneurs who are looking to enable carriers. So part of that was the organization making a dedicated investment and forming an innovation team. And that occurred in mid-2018. I actually moved from a role in finance to become our first innovation officer and to lead our GeForce Innovations effort, which is the the innovation arm of the Grange Insurance Enterprise. So great segue into my next question is that Grange launched GeForce Innovations, an incredible initiative with the goal of advancing promising startups and building long-term partnerships with them. Can you tell us about GeForce? Yeah, absolutely. So it really started with a transition in our corporate structure. We moved to a mutual holding company structure at the very beginning of 2019. And what that enabled us to do was to create a separate innovation arm, an R&D focus outside of our insurance operations. And so that is GeForce. It's really a dedicated investment of resources to identify, develop, and most importantly, adopt InsureTech solutions that are driving new products and better experiences for our customers and agents. I'd also add that GeForce is really intentionally business first, not tech first. Said another way, we're very highly integrated with the business, even though we're tech technically a separate PL, and we're focused on identifying problems that need solutions, not necessarily a brand new shiny InsureTech solution that's searching for a problem to solve. That is really refreshing. Highly integrated with the business and identifying problems, not looking for the cool whiz-bing tech necessarily. Well done. So with GeForce, you focus on delivering innovation for both the insurance consumer and also the independent agent. What's the main InsureTech category you're focusing on for the consumer versus the main category of focus for the independent agent. Maybe I'll start with a saying, and that is things have never moved as fast as they are right now, and they'll also never be this slow again. I like to say that a lot, and I haven't seen anything in the last three years.
years to lead me to believe that that is not going to continue to be the case. So there are a lot of shifting perspectives. And I guess I'll start with the agent because I think the distribution phase and distribution strategies are definitely something that are changing rapidly. And for both our customer and our agent, we're really eager to simplify and automate those day-to-day -day workflows. And really that enables us to also compete more aggressively on our pricing for our customers and our commissions. And so I think to that end, we've invested a lot in new data stacks. We've got middleware, so new APIs. We're really cleaning up our data and augmenting it with new novel data sources to improve our predictive analytics. And we're introducing new product lines as well to meet the shifting expectations of our agents and our customers. Not just to meet those expectations though, but ultimately the goal is to gain an edge. And so this type of innovation we think has the most substantial impact during those moments of truth, thinking about insurance from quote to claim and everything that occurs in between. I love how you're taking a big picture perspective, which is the entire insurance life cycle. Well done. So AI, blockchain, geospatial analytics, virtual inspections, and the list continues. These are all hot value propositions within InsureTech. Brent, what are your main areas of focus and how do you decide which categories of InsureTech to focus on? Laura, that is the million dollar question because there's so much out there that's trying to vie for your attention, whether it's a technology specifically or it's the next you know, InsureTech company that's raised a, a huge round. I mentioned earlier that we really are integrated with the business and our business first. And so we really primarily rely on our internal network of thought leaders. And I view it like two cogs in a machine. And our innovation team, the GeForce team, is, is a really tiny cog. And it's connected to the business, that giant cog. And as they turn, we're turning very, very rapidly internally, trying to assess the things that we think are relevant to communicate back to the business and those that are not. It's really a two-way street, though, because we're also listening to the business as we engage with them. And as we tease out those friction points and the problems that they're incurring, that actually seeds and informs what we call our internal hunt list for GeForce. Ultimately, we're trying to play a matchmaker between what the business needs internally and what is being developed by entrepreneurs and insurtechs externally. And if we can be a hack or a cheat code for making those connections, we know we're doing it right. When you talk about the tech specifically also, I think there's a formula that you need to be conscious of, and that is success equals the quality of the technology, the quality of the solution, times the level of adoption that you're gonna get. You could have the most whiz-bang, amazing tech in the world, but if you can't convince people to adopt it, or it's ahead of its time and people aren't ready to adopt it, you're gonna run into trouble. And so I think blockchain still has a little to be determined. I think AI is maturing, and it's maturing very rapidly, but geospatial analytics analytics, that's been nice and mature and we're leveraging that, we're leveraging RPA, and all of these items are really helping us to establish ourselves as a trusted enabler to the business. Because I think some of this emerging technology, sometimes the business can view as a potential disruptor. So that's a little bit about our approach and how we assess those emerging technologies coming out, not trying to fit a square peg into a round hole, but understanding the solution that the business needs. Indeed. So Brent, it's estimated that half of the American workforce floors will be freelancers or at least part of the gig economy by 2028. That's a glacial shift from previous decades of how we work. 
And that also affects the insurance products and services that carriers bring to market to address this shift. What is the number one glacial shift you are seeing in consumer or agent behavior? And how does that influence which insured techs you seek to collaborate with? So going back to the adoption, I think this ties in nicely. I think one of the biggest shifts that, that I'm seeing with the agents and, and with customers is we've been bombarded with insure tech so much, probably since 2015, 2016, there's this growing swell around insure tech. And I think there's more than ever a willingness for agents to start to adopt and for customers to start to engage using these new technologies. I think back to when the internet was kind of first gaining traction and Amazon came online. And I remember I said to myself, I'm never going to buy something online. Why would I put all of my information online? And it's matured to a point now where, of course, everything gets purchased online. And I think the insure tech ecosystem really is no different. The willingness to adopt because it's had time to mature is probably one of the biggest shifts that we're seeing. And maybe if I piggyback off that a little bit, one of the things that I think is showing the maturity in the space is that several years ago, most of the companies you would talk to had a concept and they needed a carrier or someone like Guidewire to help them build it and validate it. Now you go out to InsureTech Connect and any of these conferences, you've got two or three entrepreneurs that have a working active prototype ready for you to pilot or do proof of concept with. And if you take that even one step further, I think two or three years ago, most of the InsureTech players were focusing on developing point solutions. Whereas now, I think many of them are, are really saying, how can I actively partner with someone either ahead of me or behind me in terms of the value stream or, or to my left or my right and seeking out those productive win-win type partnerships to collaborate together. This is such great information. Before we continue, listeners, if you're enjoying this podcast, be sure to subscribe to InsureTalk on Amazon, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts. It helps others learn about and discover the show. Now, this is Laura Dravik, and let's get back to our conversation. I'm talking with Brent Hammer, Innovation Officer at Grange Insurance. When exploring the GeForce website, this statement, Brent, caught my attention, and I, I'm just going to read it out loud. Do you have a revolutionary idea that could transform financial services? We want to partner with you as early adopters to validate the marketplace, advance the value proposition, and generate revenue for promising startups and entrepreneurs. At a high level, can you describe the process you undertake for validating and advancing value propositions as well as generating revenue? Yeah. Yeah, great question, Laura. And again, I think the real magic and do you succeed or fail is largely baked into the process. And I would say, first and foremost, we have buy-in at the highest level from the board to our CEO to our senior leadership team in the process. So that's a good start and a critical element. But when the rubber meets the road, one, as we evaluate them, we want to make sure that there's strategic alignment. As a regional carrier, we really have to be highly disciplined in which insure tech entrepreneurs and companies we engage with and which ones we say no to. As a regional, we can't necessarily dabble again with those shiny things, which probably is why we've taken the approach that we do. But number one, strategic alignment. Is it helping us to provide greater peace of mind and protection to our customers? The second, again, as a regional is we have to be really conscious about capacity. So internally, we're evaluating, is there an internal subject matter expert in the business who could help this entrepreneur by sharing their experience and not just help them to develop a product, but again, 
and to validate it. So number two, after something is strategically aligned, we wanna make sure we've got internal capacity from any subject matter expert that we might want to pair with that entrepreneur. And the final thing is, is there a compelling value or return on investment there? As we plot it, obviously you want things that are going to move the needle, but <laughs> there's really a fine balance there because it can't be too big of a change or the business is going to reject it. You're gonna get that organ rejection. And so there's almost this Goldilocks type of value proposition where it's gotta be more than just incremental, but it can't necessarily be something transformational to the business or they're going to have a bad reaction to it. So how do you track and measure the success of your InsureTech partnerships? So it really ultimately comes down to, have we created an environment where we have this virtuous cycle? And what I mean by that is, first and foremost, we look to benefit our operations. And so we're looking for a good P&L impact. And are we generating, conversely, revenue for that startup company? Are we helping to fill their pipeline at the same time, realizing value within our P&L as well? But then you take that a step further, and if you've really validated that an entrepreneur is a great collaborator, they're delivering value for you, taking that next step and saying, all right, well, we're, we're going to make a strategic investment as well, so that not only is our P&L being benefited, but we have the opportunity for upside on our balance sheet to make an investment in that entrepreneur, but then also perpetuate their business and allow it to grow. So if we can look at ourselves and say, with this specific InsureTech partnership, we've created this environment of this virtuous cycle, this win-win, that's when we know we've got something really magic. How has the pandemic and in particular remote work transformed how you work with InsureTax? So Laura, I would say that in March, April of 2020, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't worried that the brakes were going to get slammed on all the work that we were doing and there was going to be a period where things were just stagnant. And I'm very happy to say that not only did that not occur within Grange, we had a great number of partnerships and POCs and pilots that we ended up doing in 2020. And then moreover, we doubled the number of proofs of concept and, and pilot engagements and solutions that we've placed into production in 2021. So the momentum didn't stop in 2020, and we actually saw a two-fold increase in the amount of productivity in 2021 in terms of our InsureTech relationships. I would say that in terms of engagement then, things went well. Not only did Grange benefit, but the industry as a whole had a record number of investments in 2020, but then again in 2021. But if I talk about the pandemic specifically, I think once we realized that it wasn't going to just slam the brakes and that we had the opportunity to continue to work and even gain momentum. It was really all about how do we collaborate effectively in a hybrid and really totally remote environment. And so we did spend a lot of time in 2020 playing with different tools that we can use to collaborate while folks are remote and really happy with how we've been able to clear that hurdle that the pandemic placed in front of us. Well, first of all, congratulations on such great success, doubling the number of POCs and solutions in place in 2021. Well done. Any big ideas or lessons learned from starting GeForce? The big lessons for me over these last three years is one, celebrate the failures. And in innovation, more often than not, you're going to fail, but you've got to turn it into a fail forward, which is what can we learn from this? What was the root cause of why it failed? And then do we have an opportunity to refine the process to sort of mitigate that going forward? I would say patience is, is one of the biggest lessons learned. Timing is everything. If you're trying to get someone to adopt a solution, you've got to wait till they're ready on their end. You 
you can't force it from the innovation perspective, which kind of goes back to that importance of adoption that we spoke to. And then the last lesson learned is you really have to be deliberate about moving linearly the way that you innovate from core, incremental, then into adjacent, and then starting to explore the transformational stuff. If you jump right to big adjacent innovation initiatives or even transformational, you're gonna have organ rejection when you try to bring those back into the business. And so moving linearly and sort of warming the water gradually rather than throwing them into <laughs> the business into a boiling pot is so important for a successful innovation organization. Celebrate the failures, have patience and be deliberate. Sage advice, Brian. You have an innovation studio. <laughs> it's bright and airy with large windows instead of walls. There are pops of bold colors and monitors displayed around the center. It's an intentional design. What's the strategy behind the design and how does it facilitate creativity, collaboration and ultimately innovation? Yeah, so we really love our new innovation studio or new-ish innovation studio, I would say. Personally, I'm back in the office, so I enjoy being in there and, and using it quite a bit. The usage is probably not what it was uh, in February of 2020, but we're gradually getting back and reacclimating with the space and using it. But the space is really laid out to be art and science. Having it be a really creative space that enables our workers to get together, to collaborate, to use different visual tools. We have design thinking kits all over the place, so there's actually construction paper and tape and tinfoil, if you're familiar with the design thinking process. But then there's the science aspect to it as well. So we've got several different meeting rooms, dedicated spaces where we're very deliberate about their use. And actually, I'm a big music nerd. And so as we were designing the space, I said, we have to have a music room. And so we've got a turntable in there and we were able to curate a, about 50 or 60 different records and genres that we put in there. So lots of art, lots of deliberate science. And ultimately, it's all about diversity and how do we bring in those different perspectives, get people to think differently and create an environment for the ultimate collaboration. Well, it sounds pretty cool. May I ask, how are you using the music and favorite song to for innovation? <laughs> well, if it's innovation, I'm probably going to be listening to some Daft Punk or some M83, or we've got the Beatles Sgt. Pepper and the Beatles White Album in there too. So pick your poison there. But for me, boy, it's a tricky one. Led Zeppelin is probably my favorite band. And I when I hear When the Levee Breaks by Led Zeppelin, it just does something. <laughs> gets the blood flowing. Yeah, that's such a diverse range from Daft Punk to Led Zeppelin. <laughs> I have to say, Immigrant Song gets me fired up too. So. Oh, you know what? That's an amazing one. I, I, you know what? I, I'm going to change my answer. I'm going to go with you, Laura. The immigrant Song is probably the better pick. That's a good call. We need to take another break. We just launched my new website, DrabicDigest.com. If you're enjoying this podcast and would like to review more of my thought leadership, please see DrabicDigest.com. Now, let's get back to our conversation with Brent. So diversity is incredibly important to innovation. And I think that the more diverse the team members are, the more likely they will draw upon inspiration from seemingly unrelated places. So these ideas lead to more unlikely and more innovative ideas. Brent, how do you build diversity into your initiatives? Yeah, this is such a critical point. One of the ways that we build diversity in is one, being very intentional about it. When we're forming teams that are collaborating, we're trying 
trying to get people who have different perspectives in terms of what they've experienced in life, but also different perspectives in terms of their technical acumen and their areas that they work in. So this means putting a marketing person together with an actuary, but it also means taking an external entrepreneur who's got a very different lens of things and pairing them up with the right internal subject matter expert. Getting that diversity of external thought and internal thought and that diversity of maybe a, a very deep technical acumen that an entrepreneur might bring versus a very deep business acumen that someone internally has. We also at Grange have a dedicated diversity, equity, and inclusion group, very similarly to how we have a dedicated innovation team, something that the business finds very valuable to invest in. It's, it's always top of mind for us because you're exactly right. The best outcomes come from those. But one really piece of sage advice that I, I got early on was the saying, think outside of the box. And in reality, you can't think outside of your own experiences and your own perceptions. True out-of-the-box thinking only comes when you're able to augment your proverbial box with a different box that someone else is bringing to the table. There is a Harvard Business Review study that highlights one of the main reasons innovation initiatives fail, and it's due to lack of alignment with the business. Now, you've said a couple of really important things here, Brent, so far, which is that you're highly integrated with the business and that you're business first. Mm -hmm. How do you weave the business into your initiatives? Yeah, so we've spoken to it a little bit, and I'm going to just play a few different notes here. Corporate structure, I think, is a big part of it too. And so aligning the innovation team underneath corporate strategy, or at least having very frequent touch points between what are your innovation priorities relative to what are your strategic initiatives and strategic priorities is really important. And so at Grange, we do have an enterprise strategy and innovation officer. And so we've got really good alignment there where I report up to her, but also our head of strategy reports up to her as well. So lots of collaboration, lots of communication that's occurring there. But then in addition to that, I talked about making sure you move linearly and making sure that you're focusing on problems that need solutions as opposed to the other way around. Grange has been a wonderful guide where our customers since 2016. Thank you for your business. Oh, absolutely. What are your thoughts on how Guidewire, how we connect our carriers to InsureTech via our marketplace partners and our brand new InsureTech Vanguard program? I'm glad you asked because I think the new Vanguard program is such an excellent concept, especially for a company like Guidewire to be taking the initiative on that end. The Partner Connect program, I think, is fantastic as well. And so I'm very deliberately setting a cadence to meet with the Guidewire team that runs the Vanguard and runs the Partner Connect marketplace on a quarterly basis, just to make sure I'm keeping in tune with the trends that they're seeing. But also, ultimately, it also helps you to determine within a very competitive space, particular in SureTech segment, it's definitely one way to peer into the crystal ball or to see over the horizon of which InsureTechs are more likely to win in a particular space if they're a company that's talking with Guidewire and really serious about becoming part of the marketplace, that's always a great sign when we're looking to evaluate a potential partnership with that company. Well said. And one point that I really appreciate that you mentioned is that it is a two-way communication. We're seeking input and feedback from our carriers, and then you're seeing who we're vetting or who we are seeing as promising solutions. Yeah. 
Absolutely. When I think of the insurer of the future, I think of automation, of manual redundant activities to deliver more personalized service. I think of new roles like a technology product owner who implements algorithms using expert knowledge of patterns. And I think of new lines of business being implemented like episodic insurance. But it doesn't matter what I think. What do you think the insurer of the future will look like? It's a great question. And so if I get my crystal ball out, I really see the future where insurers are, again, critical elements to providing stability and peace of mind and protection, but really taking it to the next level. And rather than being almost exclusively indemnification, really trying to be more proactive and leveraging the internet of things, predictive analytics, machine learning, et cetera, to really be a more embedded, integrated, and proactive manager of risk for our customers, whether you're a homeowner or whether you're a business owner or whether it's life insurance, really trying to deepen a partnership and be engaged and proactive to the extent that the customer wants you to be. Clearly I'm biased, but I think that (laughs) everything that we've chatted about Brent is so cool. Why do you think insurance still isn't seen as a glamorous industry or an exciting career option for new grads? What can we do to change that? Oh, yeah. You know, I'll be honest, most of my colleagues and myself included, I don't think intended to get into the insurance industry. It just kind of happened. And then once you get in, the economics of this industry, the way that we help people in their time of need, it's such a great industry. And it's so interesting, especially with the level of change and the opportunity that emerging technologies and the whole insure tech movement are presenting at this point in time. So it's a really magical time, in my opinion, to be part of this industry. How do you get people to see that? For me, it's probably around promoting insurance as part of an overall more holistic component of health and safety, whether it's you as an individual, whether it's your family, it's your community, it's your business. I think that people really do value that sense of community. They really do value having peace of mind, especially in a world that's increasingly going online and digitizing itself. How do we not just protect your physical assets, but how can we be better promoters of your overall well-being. There's no silver bullet. It's going to be a hard nut to crack, but integrating the value of insurance into, again, that more holistic well-being that everyone wants, I think is one way that we can start to do that. And definitely starting with the high school and, and the college folks who are the future consumers of insurance, really understanding what they value, how they want to be communicated to, and really what they're looking for in a career as well. Brent, thank you very much for your time today and for your incredible insight into accelerating the insurance revolution. You have showed us it's not just about ideas, it's about making ideas happen. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. This podcast is brought to you by Guidewire, the platform PNC insurers trust to engage, innovate, and grow efficiently. Visit guidewire.com for more information.